0: And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we're going to take a step or two or three back here and go back to basics. You know, I teach you how to make these incredible investments and how to get incredibly wealthy, but I got to take you all the way back to the beginning today because I got a bunch of emails this last week that reminded me that many people have absolutely no idea what they're doing. Now, if you followed me for 30 years on the radio or whatever, I've been on the radio here now, you know that when I do one of these, oh, I call it mailbag days where I pull out emails people send me, that I get brutal. And the reason I get brutal about it is because there are tens of thousands of you that listen to me every day and go, yeah, 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 but it doesn't really work because I know Uncle Bob did it and failed, and you know my dad did it and failed, my grandfather did it and failed. All these people did it and failed, and that becomes your perspective. I had a guy send me an email a week or two ago, and he said, you know, look at me, I failed, and... I know now that everything you said is wrong. It's a lie. Um, I got into a deal with one of your guys, and it failed. I've not made any money. And, uh, you know, I looked at the situation, and the guy had gotten into a deal with a guy who he had leave lifestyles because he wouldn't follow the rules because he became greedy and wanted to put together deals that didn't make any sense with all the money going to him and none going to the passes. And he got into these deals, and he got upside down, and the marketplace changed, and his finances went crumbling on him, and so he couldn't pay distributions. After, for years, doing actually doing a good job while he was here following our our rules and our information and our ways, he left, got out on his own, and now he's destroyed his portfolio. In fact, he's doing so poorly on his portfolio, he gave his portfolio away to a management company to run it. And I'm not laughing at the guy. I'm just laughing at the situation that his arrogance and his ego was so big that he had to leave here because he had a better way to do it. Well, the better way to do it is led to his downfall and to his partners calling me or emailing me, actually, and saying, hey, this stuff doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because he did it the wrong way. He didn't start doing it the wrong way. When he was here, he listened to us. In fact, he was very good at what he did when he did it the right way. But there again, now, this poor person's out there saying, he did it. You know, it doesn't work. It, real estate, doesn't work. So I asked the guy, I said, well, give me your name and telephone number. I'll call you. We'll go through it because I know the guy he's talking about. And I'll tell you, you know, what you can do to improve your situation. And he goes, I'm not giving you my name. I don't want anybody to know who I am. I don't want to get blackballed from getting into any more of these deals. I go, what are you talking? about. If you don't like the deal, why are you afraid? He said, well, because I want to try to get my money back from this guy. And I said, okay, I get it. Uh, And I just left it. I didn't try to help the guy anymore because he didn't want any help because he got into a guy who had left Lifestyles Unlimited and the deal he got into was done after the guy was out of Lifestyles Unlimited. So this is the problem with trying to help people. And I have a deal where when you join up and you go to the seminar, the first thing they tell you is go to the back of the book. And when you open the book, you'll find there's nothing on that page. And you go, well, why would you tell us to go here? Because I want you to write this in. What does it say? I will not do what Dell said to do. Now, whenever anything goes wrong, bring me the book. We'll start in the back page. I didn't do what Dell told me to do. And then we'll go backwards through the book, or I'll just point to the page where you didn't do what I told you to do. And that's why there's failure. In other words, if there's 20 things you need to know, and I don't know the number, I'm making up a number. If there's 20 things to need to do and do right, if you do all 20 right, you have a 99.9% chance of being successful in real estate. Now, there's always that fluke that can happen. There's that black swan thing that can happen. I get that. But other than the black swan event, if you do everything the way you're supposed to do it, you get a 99.9% chance that it's going to work out in the long run in this particular type of business. So what we need to do today is I'm going to go through some emails. I'm going to read them to you, and I'm not here to blast the people who sent me the emails. In fact, I'm glad they sent me the emails because it gives me an opportunity to teach from them. Uh, all the emails have already been responded to. I'm not going to give out the names in the emails because I did not ask these people to use these emails so I'm going to try to keep certain pieces of information uh, well I'll try not to let be divulged who they are put it that way just because I didn't get permission to use them but they are real and the education that we're going to glean from them today is going to be real and if you're willing to listen to what I have to teach you today, You might avoid making beginner mistakes because that's where this all starts, is that the biggest mistakes in real estate are made as a beginner, not in the end. Let's move on to the next one here. It says we have a nice newly remodeled three-bedroom home with very large private backyard and a large swimming pool. It is in North Sarasota, Florida. We paid $529,000 for it nicest but highest price in the neighborhood all right so let's go and just take that sentence and a half or two sentences there how many things are wrong in two sentences my god number one this house is five hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars that is not going to be a rent house one of the first things you need to learn in this business is not all houses should be or can be rental properties there is a price limitation When you have a high-priced house, people that would want to rent it will only pay so much rent before it becomes more beneficial for them to buy it. Renting does not make sense to them. Number two, large homes are very expensive to maintain, and that eats into your rental income and destroys the profit almost instantly. Usually, you have negative cash flow because the rent doesn't sustain the mortgage payment on the house. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, Secondly, the things that they talk about that make the house appealing to themselves uh, may make it appealing to a to some other person like a a tenant. But the reality is not all the time. I tell people there's only 10 percent of the people in the world who think like you do. And that's probably pushing it. So I read this and it says, okay, it's a three bedroom with a large backyard and a large swimming pool. So you would think, wow, everybody wants a large backyard and a large swimming pool. I have a huge backyard, and I have a huge swimming pool, so I'm one of those people. But there are tons of people. In fact, all of my friends, if you got them together, even rich people, will tell you, "Dell, I would never want this yard. I would never want to maintain this yard. I'd never want to maintain this pool. So it actually has no draw to it whatsoever for a tenant. In fact, if you give a tenant those things, they will probably destroy them. They will not maintain the yard. They will not maintain the pool because they mean that these are useless to their existence. Uh, It might even be a bane to their existence. In other words, these things are going to get out of control, out of shape. Green pool. Their kid might fall in it and die. Um you know, the the yard may be too big to mow. They don't want to spend the money to maintain it. So it's all negative. A point I'm making to you is a rent house should be a generic box. It should be clean and functional. And the price for that rental property should be Less than the median price in the area, and I recommend half of the median price in the area. So when houses in Houston were selling for fifty thousand, I was buying them for twenty-five thousand bucks. When houses were selling for eighty thousand, I was buying them forty thousand bucks. When they were selling for a hundred thousand, that was the median price. I was buying them for fifty thousand. When the median price went up to one hundred and fifty thousand, we were buying them at seventy-five. When the median price went to two hundred, we we're buying them at hundred. The median is now three. 350, close to 400,000. I'm not sure. I haven't checked with my guys lately. Uh, we're buying them at 175. There's just no way you could turn a $529,000 home into a rental property. And, you know, the next sentence is the worst, I guess. Um, well, no, it's not the worst. They're all bad. The next sentence nicest but highest priced house in the neighborhood. Guys, learn this. If you really want your house to appreciate, you want to be the lowest price in a higher price neighborhood. Whatever neighborhood you're in, you want to have the lowest price house because the rest of the homes, as they appreciate, they drag your property value up. Your property value will always get a punch in the nose improvement, not a punch in the nose, but a kick in the butt up in value when you're in a subdivision where it's the smallest home. And if it's not the smallest home, at least be on the lower end side. No more than the median size of that subdivision. So being the biggest and the best house of subdivision is the worst thing you can possibly do. Are you with me? Just the worst thing you can possibly do. Uh, Let's move on. 20 minutes to all the beaches and 10 minutes to shopping. Those are all good things, but they don't pay the rent. Uh, we only see a potential of $37,000 from the management company. Uh, in other words, the management company saying that's all we can get you for income is $37,000. I didn't bother to take and divide that out. Um, let's take a quick little calculator number here and see what that means. I just thought this was important now that I thought about it. $37,000 divided by 12, so the rent would be $3,000 a month, close to $3,100 a month. And on a five hundred and twenty-nine thousand dollar home, your payment has got to be five thousand, six thousand dollars a month. Not to count not even to account for your other expenses. So we live in Kansas City. Whoa. Now we're buying properties in cities we don't know. We're not we're buying stuff that's too expensive, and we're leaving it to a management company who's going to take a fee to manage it. So they've got everything working against them in this situation. I pay about an average of $12,000 in utilities and yard maintenance, et cetera. Well, there you go. How, when you buy a rent house, are they paying the utilities and the expenses? That's just the management company doesn't know what it's doing, unless what the bottom line is is they can't rent it, and the, the, utility, the electric bills are adding up from when it's vacant. I don't know. I don't have $12,000 in utility bills in any rental house I've ever had. I just don't understand, you know, and why are they paying the utilities for the tenant, which is all wrong. You shouldn't have, but maybe, you know, you leave the lights on for a week while they do a make ready and clean the place and made service or whatever and turn it back off. I mean, you might have a couple hundred dollars a year in utilities, the water, the gas, all that stuff that has to be in the tenant's name, not in your name. I don't get it. Uh, yard maintenance, there you go. There's that big yard. You have to maintain that thing, which is useless. Uh, it goes on and says, then Florida insurance is $5,500 on top of that and gets cut in half uh, if I go long-term. I don't know what that means, gets cut in half if I go long-term. But the bottom line is is that $5,500 for insurance. Whew, how much is that a month? Divide that by 10, that would be Five hundred and fifty dollars a month, so you got about five hundred bucks a month. Because six thousand would be, yeah, six thousand would be fine. Man, this deal does not cash flow. This is a perfect example of someone who did it all wrong. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show.
0: to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Well, one thing it has meant for us, and we have to compliment you. You've given us our time back. And I say our time because we got married 33 years ago, and we got married in July. Do you know why? Well, that was before I met lifestyles. I used to work for Ford Motor Company, and with Ford Motor Company, I was uh, in the automotive division. They have shutdown during July, the first two weeks oh, of July. So, so you had, had to had wait shut for down, a shutdown
1: to get married? Yes.
0: Yes, he actually Whoa, that's
1: dedication there.
0: He made me change our wedding date. It was supposed to be June 15th, and I changed.
1: Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so if I had been in
0: lifestyle, I could have gotten married when I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And the ring would have been bigger. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you.
0: laughs> Ready to get your time back like Vivian and Cornell? Register for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at LifestylesUnlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today
1: we're going through the gigantic mistakes that beginners make. And uh, the first email we covered uh, was about a lady who bought a $529,000 house in Florida. If you want to get back to the podcast and find out the whole story there, I'm going to finish her email up though with this. It says, if I go long run on this as a rental instead of short term as a rental. Um, and now I understand what she's saying. I can get the insurance. I can cut the insurance in half from $5,500 a year to whatever half of that would be 2,250. What I guess would be 2,700, whatever. Uh, but my rent goes down by $12,000 a year. So they're trying to turn this into a short-term rental is what they're trying to do. And uh, even as a short-term rental, this thing doesn't cash flow. She goes on and says, my, I don't know what to do. The only option is maybe sell it and then buy a uh, storage units. My husband and I are 70 and 71 years old, respectively. So the, the I emailed her back and I said, do you have any idea how to do storage units? And she said, no. Here goes the next level of problems here, folks. I don't know how, and I guess you know, I'm 66, so I'm not picking on old people. I'm an old people myself. But I don't know how it is that people in general, whether they're old or not, come to this conclusion they can just do something they have no idea how to do. Where do they get the idea that it's just something that anybody can do? It's not. I would not go out there and open a welding company, although I'm learning welding and I really like it. It's fun, but I wouldn't open a welding company and I wouldn't go out there and, uh, start a band, although I enjoy playing guitar, but I would never start a band. It just, I don't know what I'm doing. And and that's the whole point. People are getting into this without any help, without knowing what to do. And so here she, she's trying to get some quick answers from me by email. A lot of people do thinking that, um, well, if I get a couple quick answers, then I'll be able to go ahead and, and move forward. And I asked her, do you know anything about storage units? Because I told her, I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with storage units. Do you know how to do them? No, I have no idea. And so it's, she has no better chance of working that working out for her than this house. And by the way, she lives in, where was it, Kansas City? Yeah. So the reality, what should this lady do? She should sell this house, get her money back. Come to Lifestyles and join up and then realize we have guys that can teach you, number one, classes to teach you and people to teach you how to do this correctly. Number two, you can do this from afar and buy houses in places where the houses make sense. Now, Kansas City, by the way, the houses actually do make sense there. But you could buy them anywhere that they make sense and make money with them. And we can help her and her husband do this. But you have to make that decision, right? The biggest thing I want you to get out of this, well, a couple of them is, number one, let's just go down the list. You can't buy a too expensive home. You don't want to buy the most expensive home in the neighborhood. Um, You don't want to do short-term rentals for a a way to make money in this. And by the way, short-term rentals are going away. You say, well, Del, why? How? I mean, that's the biggest exciting thing in the marketplace. No, that was the biggest exciting thing in the marketplace. And what's happening now is neighborhoods, homeowners associations, uh, Don't want them in their subdivision. They don't want, you know, bed and breakfast type short term tenants there because they don't know who they are. They come and they go. They could do damage, steal things, assault people and leave. And no one know who they are. Um, Hotels do not want to see this happen because they don't want the competition. And last, the state doesn't want to see it happen because they don't want to lose hotel taxes. So it's it's. An idea that has seen its better, better days, and uh, I wouldn't get into it. All right. The next one is another common mistake that I see all the time. So it says, "Dear Dell, I've paid for three for three level townhome." So for some reason they they think that a three level townhome is a good thing. It's not. The more levels you have, the more painful. It is to move furniture around in it, to get up and down in it. It also makes it hard for older people to get around in it and limits those people from being able to rent your property. So it's, it's not a good idea. It's a two-bedroom, two-bath, three two-car garage. Uh, again, you can live with two bedrooms. Three bedrooms are better. goes on and says it's in Kansas City. There we go. It keeps coming up today. Uh, with a view of downtown. With, from decks in the third level townhouse, with an appraised value of four ten. So here's a person who puts value on the view of downtown, so much so they're willing to buy a rental for four hundred and ten thousand dollars in a city where that's a very expensive home. Kansas City is not Miami, it's not New York, it's not California, it's Midwest and. $410,000 Four hundred ten thousand dollars—way too expensive to be a rental house. Uh, now he goes on, and I correct myself. I'll have to come back and correct myself. He said I paid one hundred twenty-nine thousand in nineteen ninety-two. All right, so he bought it when it was the right price. Uh, although one twenty-nine in ninety-two is pretty expensive. I mean, how many years ago was that? 92, 102, 22. It's 30 years ago. It's so in the house. I'm getting $2,200 per month in rent, which seems to be market value for the advice by the advice of realtors. I pay $161 a month for HOA dues, and the tenants pay for utilities, including gas, water, and electric. Well, thank you. At least they're doing that right. So the property generates about $26,000 per year of revenue, minus the 1,900 HOA dues, uh, $1,600 insurance, and $5,600 property taxes. So that knocks it down to a net of 17265 Repairs and capital improvements would, of course, lower that profit. So 17265 profit on a $410,000 property is only a 4% return. This seems low, especially since I do not have mortgage to consider. So this guy owns this thing free and clear, I guess because he bought it in 92. It's 30 years, he's paid it off, right? The ROI, return on investment, would be negative if I had a mortgage on the property. A mortgage would be $2,846 a month or $34,000 a year. Um, if I put 20% down, the mortgage would be 2281 per month, which is more than my rental income. The rent would need to be at least $3,600 per month to break even if I took out a mortgage today. Repairs would require even more rent. Then add add-on for profit. A new HVA system, roof deck would be on top of that included. How much should I charge for rent? So the whole premise behind this thing, the whole premise, right, is that he thinks he can charge what he wants to charge for rent. And they've already told him, the real estate agents have told him what the rent is in the neighborhood. Rents are not dictated by your product, believe it or not. They're dictated by supply and demand of other properties in your area. If there are other properties out there, they're going to take you. Those properties, if they're a lower price, renters don't care about your property. You think they do. They don't. They don't see it like you do. And this guy owning this for 30 years has built up quite a bit of love for this property. But he's also built up quite a bit of equity, which is being wasted. He's got $400,000 worth of his life's equity, earning him less than 4% net after all of this. Sell that property. Go buy others. At the right price as for being rental properties. Now we're going to turn this thing around, look at an email from someone who has really brought up a very positive point that uh, I want to go ahead and give him confirmation on. It says, good morning, Dell. I started investing in 2019, so I think I have technically still not been through a full real estate cycle. The properties I bought in 2019, I ended up with approximately 5.5% interest rate. The properties I bought in 2020, I ended up with a 3.75 interest rate. I didn't buy anything in 2021 because I was unable to find deals whose numbers I liked. However, I believe I have found a deal I like in 2021. The rates would have been extremely low. Uh, I bought a property in the end of 2022 and early 2023. I'm about ready to refinance them, but due to interest rates, the cash flow is not great. Ideally, I want to keep acquiring properties with prices seeming to come down a bit. I found one I really liked with tons of built-in equity capture. But when I run the numbers with the latest interest rates, it only makes about $100 a month in cash flow. The same deal when I run it with the example of my 2020 interest rates of 3.75 makes about $500 a month in cash flow and looks like a home run. Would you advise buying deals like the one I mentioned above With large equity capture and slightly positive cash flows, uh, with the intent of refinancing a low rate in the future to optimize cash flow. Or would you consider this to be a speculative investment? Speculative investment. I know that rates are around 20% in 1980. Today's rates are historically low compared to that. So they could theoretically still go much higher. I would like to think uh, the real estate cycle will continue and we will see very low rates again. All right. Forget the rates. The point you made is right on, it's about buying the property at the right price. And if you're buying the property with great captured equity, what captured equity is means you're buying it below what it's really worth on the market, right? That's what captured equity is. And when you look at that situation and you say, um, I can buy this thing and make 10, 20, 30, 40, or $50,000 right up front. That's You got to put that into the calculation of what you're making here. You're making a tremendous amount of money, even though there's a low cash flow of $100 a month. He should go ahead and make that equity. Last email says, uh, passively invest when done correctly. Okay, that's what I told him. He said, um, said I have a pleasure meeting you, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go through this because we got to get done quick here. Uh basically said that he, he met me and he wants to decide if he take his $100,000 and put it into a passive investment, or into rental properties, which would be better for him. And I told him it's better to go into single-family rental properties. Why? Because in single-family rental properties, we capture equity right up front. We have immediate cash flow. And um, they're very, very good investments, very stable. And we've been well with single-family houses for the whole 35 years I've been doing this. The passive deals, on the other hand, uh, are something that's a little different. And I don't I don't want to say they're they're worse, but they're less profitable in the short run, completely less profitable because, number one, there's no captured equity on these passive deals. You're buying in at whatever the deal price was set at. So you don't have instant equity at all. You have hopeful future equity in these deals. And secondly. They may not pay dividends right away. They may say, I'm holding off for six months, 12 months. I've even seen 18 months on deals uh, before they pay any distributions. And that just doesn't feel right unless you understand that this is a giant turnaround and there's going to be a big, giant capital gain and you trust that that's actually going to happen. And there's no market centrifuge that throws it off and the deal doesn't work out the way they thought it'd work out. Bottom line, though, as a passive, you're giving away 5, 10, 20, 25 30 40 50 percent of whatever the equity is in the deal depending on if you do a passive outside of lifestyles or inside uh you're giving away part of the equity and part of the gain and part of the cash flow to somebody's putting the deal together and that ends up making that a less profitable deal than if you own the whole deal yourself so in this particular case with only a hundred thousand to invest i think they can do way better in single family rentals than they can as a passive investor so then the guy you know might come back and say to me well i'm 80 years old i had this happen to me in an email just a week ago i think i did this a week ago email guy said well but Dell, i'm 80 years old (laughs) i don't feel like i have the energy to go try to buy a rent house and have any management involved at all even with the management company i just don't feel like i can handle anything and said okay well then passive makes sense for you there's that's why there is passive passive is named passive for a reason You are passively investing, but at that point, what you have to do is you have to pick, learn how to pick the right lead investor, because you are now counting on the jockey and not the horse. The deal is going to be ridden by a jockey, your investor, and neither it's going to be good or bad based on that person. Well, I hope this stuff helps, and remember, guys, as you go out there and do this, it's not about the money. It's about the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.